Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Poker Bear episode 92, the Tomas Nosek episode. Uh, I am Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. And we are still just slowly slogging through the rest of the regular season. Just, it's just like, all right, like, come on, let's get to the postseason point. I feel like I felt this way since the beginning of April. And it's April 20th uh, when we're recording this. Uh, and I still just want like the postseason to get here. I was saying this to Scott on Bruins beat watching the Celtics. And it's like, can we just get to that, please, with the Bruins? Come on. This is supposed to be the same time. Um, but there is something with the postseason that's relevant to this. From Tuesday night's game in St. Louis, uh, terrible Jersey uh, matchup. That was ugly. Oh, that's why I, I kind of do we have to talk about the broadcast, too? Oh, that was horrendous. Holy shite. (laughs) (laughs) That was brutal. Every, what's funny is every aspect of it, not just like every person on the broadcast was below average, but then on top of it, the quality of the camera angle presentation yeah, and the presentation and the audio there kept sounding like someone was plugging an audio jack every like five minutes. Um, Just awful. Just awful. And, it goes my, to- my, and, and my favorite part of it too, Evan, was the fact that the narratives, uh, what I always find extremely tiring about a broadcast, and it's something that I think even NBC used to do. Remember like when they'd have their big matchups, it would focus on just one, like a head-to-head matchup between a player. So The star, the was, star cam. Yeah, so it'd just be like Patrice Bergeron and Crosby the entire time, but they'd have nothing to talk about because it's like, yeah, they're both really good. Yeah, oh, yeah, no shit. So like you look at the ESPN <laughs> broadcast, like how many times was it discussed one uh, the Bruins lost to the Blues. That Ooh, was their first time, nice. uh, first time back <laughs> in St. Louis since 2019. Uh, the fact that the Bruins were hurt, and you may not know this, Evan. Uh, Ooh, hit little, me with in, little inside information for anyone who's listening on the podcast. This is the little treat you get for following along week to week. I'm hearing that uh, that Tory Krug he used to play for the Bruins. No way. Like he played against them, right? Like he played against them, yeah. But he used to play for them. No, you're kidding. Wild, wild dude, crazy. I didn't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to reveal my sources. I'm not going to say that I was just listening to the broadcast and they talked about it for 48 times. But that's all I'm going to say. 
Well, it's funny. It would make sense because the Bruins' power play was really good for a long time, like um, top of the league, and now the Blues are the top of the league. Maybe it makes sense that Krug was here. Well, you, I also have another little anecdote to tell you. This is uh, told to me totally not made up. Um, someone once told me that uh, you can compare – you know, it's a little bit different. Charlie McAvoy, Tory Krug, different players, but it's almost like you can compare one to Patrick Mahomes and one to Tom Brady because it makes, you know, it's a complete correlation right there. Perfect sense. And it just, it, it just makes sense, right? Someone told yeah. me that and it wasn't totally made up. So another thing, no. another uh, food for thought for you. Because Tory Krug, always a non-foot mover. You never saw exactly. him move his feet. No, 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 yeah, no. Exactly. He just stood no. back he was there. Like, he was like an Easter Island head, just entrenched in that one spot, yeah. Co- Colin plays from the back of the power play. It never moved at the top of the mm-hmm. key. I mean, he was always yes. there. Brutal broadcast. <laughs> like ass. And it was, it's funny. Normally I don't care, but last night it was like, you know, this is a streaming service. You know, not everyone can watch it because they don't have ESPN plus. It's not like it's on Nesson. You know, like Jack and Brick are, are you know, people get, people kind of are controversial over oh, Jack. And very polarizing, but at least the passion's always there. Whether you hate him or you love him, there's passion. And like, again, people have, there's so many issues with Nesson, right? Like the fire, the fire drill, or the fire alarm going off and them not going on the road and all those things. But like, at least Jack and Brick always bring the passion, right? There was no passion in that broadcast. Sounded like they pulled the guy named Roxy off the street, had him do play by play. His name's Roxy, by the way. That's quite the name. Uh, it sounds like whatever. the first like boxy you, you fight and like Mike Tyson's punch out. Like, yeah. whatever his name. Roxy. Yeah. And then you got you got Dominic Moore, who was as boring as it came. I mean, just just a drip. And you have um uh Chelios's Chelios, 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 yeah. daughter um on the on the glass side, who poor Charlie McAvoy was, the, was hiding <laughs> hiding during that interview. Like Jason Bourne. He had wasn't no great, part of it. No, it wasn't it was great. great. Wasn't great. Um, but there was something great to come of that game for the Bruins, aside from the fact that they won, aside from the fact that Charlie McAvoy's uh, snipe and Jake DeBrusque continues to produce. And this Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrusque, Charlie McAvoy overtime trio works. But they won in a way that actually makes sense for them in the playoffs. And they did it, as the broadcast alluded to many times, with guys hurt. Uh, is this a sustainable way to win? If you're going up against a team like the Hurricanes or the Rangers, we'll get to later in the show for a seven game series. Yeah, I think that's got to be the blueprint that they got to stick to. Um, obviously, having David Pasternak back to provide that power play, having a guy like Campus Lindholm, whether it be injecting offense in a blue line transition, need those guys back, as well as Linus Olmark, uh, who, which we'll talk about a little bit later in terms of the goalie situation. But regardless of the firepower that the Bruins have, and, and those guys will help, help out a lot. Let's face it, they're not going to outgun the Panthers, the Maple Leafs, any of these teams, right? If they want to survive in advance and get through this like terrifying Eastern Conference playoff bracket, they're going to have to just grind these games out. And, you know, maybe it not, is not the most entertaining brand of hockey, but you saw, I think, in that game against um, that game against the Blues and even that Saturday game against the Penguins, another team that can light you up in a hurry, uh, just how suffocating the Bruins can be defensively. And that's not just goaltending and defense, right? It's the overall structure with the forwards who were, you know, as much as St. Louis is a very much a rush heavy team, they would like, you know, cross over the blue line, try to get into the neutral zone. And they were already draped by a couple of uh, Bruins skaters, making it just so difficult for them. Uh, And I think that just is what the the kind of game the Bruins need to play if they want to, you know, outlast some of these teams, right? Because, 
again, Bruins aren't going to be winning seven, six games against the Panthers. At least you hope not, because that's not really a sustainable way to win in the playoffs. But if the Bruins can keep up this, uh, you know, defensive structure, this team identity they have, I mean, they've been near the top of the league in terms of the baseline numbers, in terms of goals against, but they've been one or two pretty much the entire year in terms of expected goals. I mean, they've done a very good job in terms of limiting the amount of grade A chances that their goaltending faces. And that's the kind of game you have to see from this team uh, if they want to go on a run. You see it in a lot of, I think, these statement wins they've had, whether it's these last couple of games where they've been shorthanded, that game down in Tampa Bay. These teams that can bury you in a hurry are just not generating the same amount of chances you're seeing uh, night to night. I mean, look at St. Louis. I mean, that's a team that's gone from kind of that same style, right, that grinded out, you know, slow-paced kind of uh, system that, what do you know, won them a Stanley Cup in 2019. Now they're like – completely running gun. I mean, they, they were going into that game with what four plus goals in 12 straight games. Didn't really generate all that much. Didn't get a lot of uh, good chances. So I, I you know, it's going to help out quite a bit when you have David Posternock back there and Lindholm and obviously, and you want to see that secondary scoring, keep on rolling along with guys like Halla, that third line, finding its game more, you're going to need that to put you over the top. But in terms of finding that overall identity, what you need to stick to, to, get past teams like Toronto and Florida, a game like uh, a game like Tuesday night should be kind of the the blueprint for what you need to stick to in order to get out of this playoff bracket, because it's going to be tough. Oh, going to be very tough. And again, as you, as you said, like just, uh, you know, you look at the team, a team like the blues, right. And some of their top scores, Tarasenko could have went in the draft in the expansion draft, Pavel Bucinavich got traded to them for nothing. nothing. And like, those are two of their top scores. And it's so interesting to see um, how that team has, you know, could have really went the other way. And I remember it's funny, um, Craig Berube was kind of on the hot seat to start the year. And there was a lot of questions surrounding that team. So they're a team again, like, and they can still like, even though there's a lot of run and gun now, they can still hit. They can still play physical, as you saw with the hit uh, from um, uh, who was it on Taylor Hall and uh, Barbashev. Barbashev, Bortuzzo. There were a lot of hits. So that's a team who again, like they're built to go deep. And fortunately for them, they don't have to rely on Jordan Bennington in that they have Ville Husso. Uh, So, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a legit team that you beat and that you, you limited offensively. So again, still the Bruins are finding ways to win. That's why it's hard to see. It's they're really hard team to predict. And we're going to do this later in the show. We're going to do this later on when we do like real predictions, they're a really hard team to project in the playoffs because can't you see them, the Bruins, Go, you know, they you could easily see them losing in the first round, but you can also easily see them going deep, and that's what makes it really challenging. And that's why I think we're going to kind of, as I said, we're going to get into this later. Uh, but one thing that them going deep is going to hinge on a lot is the goaltending, which we've talked about many times over these past few weeks. And another good start for Jeremy Swayman. Obviously, Linus Olmark is hurt, uh, giving Swayman a real chance here to take the bull by the horns and actually like come out of the slump that he was in for uh, a fair amount of time. This is two straight good starts for him. You also look at the third period against the Senators. That was another good period for him. Uh, do you think that he is finally coming out of his slump? Uh, I think he's definitely, um, you know, much improved from where he was during that kind of extended lull that he had there going into, you know, late March to most of April. Uh, I think his last seven periods of play now, he's got a nine four five save percentage. You're not seeing nearly as much as, some of those red flags you saw during that slump he had where it's, you know, struggles with 
rebound control, struggling with handling the puck, uh, not knowing a little bit indecisiveness. I think you saw in that overtime where there was kind of that play where the puck was <laughs> skidding around and he didn't know how to play it, but made the decisive move, got that play out of danger. I think it was Tarasenko who was right there. So that could have been a that ice. Blow. That ice, by the way, was awful. Guys were falling yes. around the whole third period just randomly. It looked like snipers a, were in the balconies. It was a uh, it was a preview of what's to come, I think, in May and June, if the Bruins are playing into June over the yes. garden. But uh, I think you're seeing just a lot more of a confident Swayman. And I think we saw from kind of that post-RASC retirement that heater he was on for a couple of months there, just how – uh, dominant he can be when he's confident and feeling his game. So uh, it, it's definitely a major step in the right direction. I think the Bruins still want to get Olmark back and get him in a couple of games before the playoffs start because one, he was great right before he took that slap shot off the, off the mask. But also I think you want to maximize the potential of this goalie tandem. And you've got one part of it that's improving now where you've got swimming, you know, getting back to the player he was during those last couple of months and feeling confident, but, if you can go into the playoffs with both those guys playing at a high level, both those guys healthy, it's a good problem to have. The last thing I think you wanted is a situation where maybe we were a few weeks ago where Olmark was playing really well, but all right, he's still unproven in the playoffs. You have Swayman's really struggling. You don't want to really turn to a struggling rookie if he's not, if he doesn't have his game right in, in middle of May. And the flip side, you don't want Swayman playing well, but Olmark is all of a sudden the new question mark. So um, I think you can kind of look at the situation in net right now. You'd like to get Omar back healthy, which you hope will be the case over the next week or so. But if you can get him back in the fold and have Stroman getting back to his game, as you saw over that, you know, February heater he was on, uh, again, good problem to have. We don't know how it's going to, you know, pan out when you get to the playoffs, but both those guys are healthy. Makes for a lot of intriguing options for the Bruins and how they're going to deploy that goalie uh, situation. Yeah, Scott and I were saying this on Bruins beat. Like, I think there's a legit chance you could see a platoon. Like, I think you could see easily see both guys playing, uh, even if they're winning. I think they could. I could easily see them going back and forth. And again, that's something that's complicated. That is a very tough uh, uh, wire to balance on, so to speak. Uh, but it's a, a safe bet that one, at least one of the two goalies, will be good uh, come the postseason, uh, health wise and uh, on the ice play wise. But when we talk about really safe bets, like safer than that, we talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. You are, Evan. Listen up, guys. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that baseball is back, and the start of the Major League Baseball season is finally here. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's CLNS50. Bet online with a game. Stats. Stats. Uh, I will say this Nets Celtics series, granted people will be listening to this after game two happens. So I'm not, not going to sit here and say bet on game two, but talk about a fun series to bet on. Just like the drama, the watchability, the entertainment. Like, this is a fun series to bet on. So I would totally, if I were you, go use that promo code um, and uh, bet on the series because it's really fun. Okay, speaking of the playoffs, everything we do today is tinged with the postseason. Um, 
It's still a little unclear who the Bruins are going to play in the first round because the East is obviously uh, everyone knows who the teams are going to be in the playoffs, uh, but no one knows who's going to play who because everyone's kind of moving around still. So the four teams looks like the Bruins uh, have the best chance of playing would be Carolina. If they were in the wild card spot, New York, if they were in the wild card spot, Florida, if they drop down to the second wild card spot, or Toronto, there's still a chance for Toronto if they, because uh, the Lightning have been struggling, if they surpass the Lightning, move into that three spot. I don't think the, the Maple Leafs are coming down out of the two spot. So those are the four teams. It's it, This is a multiple choice question, Connor, and you got to get it right. Who out of those four teams do you want the Bruins playing the most in the first round and why? Evan, it's not fun to pick. It's like I made the it's analogy. A, it's a bad think, pick. <laughs> yeah, I think I made the analogy when I, I did a story about this last week about just mapping out this playoff bracket. It's like picking which way you're getting down to the Cape in the middle of July. Like, you know, <laughs> what, you know we do Route 3, you go over the uh, Sagamore, do you go Bourne Bridge? 495. Well, whichever one you pick. Yeah, whichever one you pick, it's going to friggin' suck, right? It's going to yeah. be shitty. So it, it's definitely a tough call. I'm leaning, I think, right now towards ranges. And that one's pretty close right now because um, I think them and Carolina are neck and neck. I think Carolina has the tiebreaker, but they're awfully close. Again, this is going to change, I think, day to day. The Bruins are a point behind Tampa. Uh, Washington is right on the Bruins' heels, which I think would be the I, – I definitely do not want to play uh, Panthers first round, even no. though I think that's a team that could be exposed. Um it's almost kind of like uh, – yeah, it's like playing the Nets, right? Like, I think the Celtics are well-equipped to play the Nets, but for as strong as the Celtics are, it's a it, it's a bitter pill to swallow if, let's just say, Kyrie and Durant just go off and they, they win out in a seven-game series and the Celtics team in this season that had so much promise just kind of ends in the first round. You just kind of have to shrug your shoulders like, all right, what, what are we supposed to do? If they were the seventh seed, like, how, how are we getting past that? You know, sometimes that's – what you have to do. And I think that's what you'd be like playing the Panthers where you could expose them, but also they could just light you up and you're just, you run into a buzzsaw in the first round. So uh, whoever they play is going to be difficult, but I, I think you look at the Rangers and they've been playing very, very well uh, since the, since the deadline, especially that look for a while, like Carolina's going to run away with the Metro. Um, but I think you just kind of look at the main flaws on that Rangers team. Lethal power play, a legit top six. Uh, their five-on-five five play, though, has been pretty lackluster. So um, that could be an area that I think you kind of saw when the Bruins played them uh, down at Madison Square Garden in February. Keep them out of the penalty box, and you stick to kind of that defensive structure the Bruins have. You can make it a, a 2-1 game, you know, late in the third period. The only equalizer there is Shesterkin, right? I mean, that guy <laughs> could – again, it's damn if you do, damn if you don't, but he's a guy that – if he's on, the Rangers can come out of a lot of those 2-1 wins, right? It's one of those ones where you can steal you quite a few games over the span of a seven-game series, and maybe that gives them an advantage over a guy like Freddie Anderson, who's hurt right now, or Bobrovsky, or you know whoever Toronto has in net. He could be the great equalizer. Granted, he's had also some ups and downs. There was that stretch earlier this month where he was had, what, like five, six games in a row with like a, a sub-eight save percentage, so He's human. Um, yeah, he is human. It's just now he's kind of rebounding back into being the the machine that he was early on in the year. I think he's got three shutouts his last five games. So uh, that series would be very, very tight. Uh, a 
lot of, I think, one goal games, which grants, I think the Bruins are at home when they, when they play those kind of games, those tight checking games. Um, but I think you look at where the majority of the game is played, it's going to be at five and five, even strength play. And in that area, the Bruins can grind it out, you know, land punches when they can. Um, and you know, as long as they keep the Rangers out of the box, I think they've got an ability to kind of grind out through a series like that. Yeah, the Rangers are an interesting case because they are so hot right now and Shesterkin uh, scares me a bit. For me, it's funny. I look at Carolina and Scott pointed this out to me on Monday um, or on Tuesday, excuse me. Um, they've been rough of late, but the, the one holdup I have with them is they are experienced now in the playoffs. This is a Carolina team that has been there many times. You beat them twice now. You have to think of they do at some point. They were a wagon at the beginning of the year. RBA is a terrific coach. I just wonder if they're going to rebound hard in the playoffs, right? Like if, they, if they're going through a lull now and then come game one, they're going to be fired up and ready to go. They don't really have a superstar. So that's kind of a, an area that you can maybe expose, but they are sort of deep. And <clears throat> again, like going against Jacob Slavin for a full seven game series is never fun. So I don't know if Carolina would be my team. I go back to this, Connor. Give me Toronto. Do it. Do it. Right into the it's fire. the most, it's the most entertaining series. I think uh, from a storyline perspective, from, you know, these teams have gone against each other so many times, kind of like Red Sox Yankees at this point. And I look at the goaltending, I look at the defense and I say, there's a way you can, ex- you can expose that. And you're good defensively, right? Like you, you see how they played the blues. You're seeing how they're playing these teams like Tampa. You can find a way to shut down Toronto offensively. So I don't think they're going to end up playing Toronto in the first round. I do think it's either going to be Carolina or New York. I think those are going to be the two teams. Um, And out of those, I think it's a coin toss. I probably err on the side of Carolina just based on how they've been lately. But Toronto, man, come on. Like, that's that's the series. And so, to me, I think you can expose Toronto. And I just – and that's a a high-risk, high-reward type series because if you beat them, it's hilarious. But if you lose, you lost you get to off Twitter lose. for three months. Yeah, like that. You can't off season. You go to an island and just like decompress. And then that gives merit to all the stuff we've heard about the Leafs all year and that this is finally the year and all these things. I just look at how they are defensively. I look at their goaltending with Jack Campbell and I see a huge hole that you can expose. Um, but who knows? I think it's going to come down to Carolina and New York. I don't think Toronto or Florida will be the teams, but who knows? The Bruins could pass uh, Tampa Bay in the next couple of games, and suddenly you're facing Toronto in the first round, which, like, yeah. again, would just be cool. Like, I just think that's a, such a interesting series. And it's great, and, and this is a different perspective, but from a content perspective, Toronto fans are annoying. I will give them that. Oh, it's a gold mine. But it's a gold mine. <laughs> and, and, we'll, be, and, we'll, be, we'll be very busy. So busy, and there's so much. And they're, they're engaged, and they're passionate. So I will totally give them that over um, some of the other teams. Uh, it's funny. I work with a kid at NCAA.com who's a diehard Florida Panther fan. He's the first one I've ever met. And he's, he grew up like because he, he grew up in uh, that area. And he loves the Panthers. So um, I, I will not trash the Panther fan base because I've – I've seen that there are some passionate fans. I mean, he might be the only one. Oh, that's what I always say. You know, you're, you're on an Island by yourself there, bud. Um, anyways, uh, going away from the playoffs for a bit to end the show uh, down in Providence, 
a lot of interesting stuff happening with these former uh, college hockey players coming in and doing some work. Johnny Beecher uh, on Tuesday night, two goals, including the OT winner, looked good. I didn't watch the full game, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I did, uh, But because it was during the Bruins and the Blues. Uh, but two goals for him. And then um, Merkulov, for, uh, Georgie Merkulov from Ohio State. I might be butchering that name. Um, he has been terrific thus far. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he has been awesome. Um, looks like a real legit addition. Um, Kirk Ludicky, who was a friend of both of ours. Uh, he was on Bruins beat back in like the middle of winter. He was awesome. He's been tweeting a ton about Merkulov and how good he is and what a pickup that is. Um, Merkulov's the center. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder if the Bruins, is there any chance, is there any chance Connor, and we're dreaming a bit here, but is there any chance they picked up a potential top six center of the future in him? Uh, I mean, the early returns have been good. And I think uh, Kirk has only tweeted about it, that the Bruins efforts in terms of, you know, finding these college free agents is, you know, lessens the burden a little bit of, you know, trading a first round pick for a guy like Campus Lindholm, which addressed a flaw. You now have a top four guy in place for the foreseeable future. And you got him to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But then you also added a guy in Merkulov who I think still needs some seasoning. I think it was uh, Mock Diver who's, a main authority on Providence Bruins. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you absolutely should. Um, Agreed. Said that, you know, his offensive game, Merkulov, is very, very good. A little bit of an adventure in the D zone, so he still needs to work on that a little bit. But I think when you look at uh, Merkulov and his offensive numbers as a freshman uh, at Ohio State, granted he's a little bit of an older freshman. I think he's 21 already. But look at his numbers down there. You look at how he's adjusted. Uh, very quickly offensively to the AHL rank, which always seemed like there's a big um, adjustment period there for players making that jump. Definitely encouraging. I mean, I don't know if we're going to go into next season with Mark Love fighting for legitimate minutes in the top six for the Bruins, but the place is Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quite, yeah. Quite the, quite the task there, but at the very least, he's a guy that uh, wasn't in the prospect pool a few weeks ago and now gives you an intriguing option that, Maybe he does make a push for a, a spot further down the lineup out of camp. Maybe he spends a year, a couple more months in Providence and becomes a guy that makes that push. It seems like he's got a very heavy shot. He's, you know, knows his way around the offensive zone. So who knows? Maybe when Craig Smith's contract, reti- uh, you know, expires, he's a guy that could slot into a third line role on the wing. Uh, there's a lot of options there if he, if he pans out. So he's a, a guy that wasn't on a lot of radars, right? You look at some of these college free agents, people look at, the juniors and the seniors and these guys, you will get Paco Ford, who I think is back in Providence. You'll get Mark McLaughlin. Mark ben Myers. Was, yeah, Ben Myers, obviously. Um, Mark Ullo wasn't really on the list because he was a freshman. So it was a good heads up, you know, a signing by the Bruins. They got a guy that really flashed in his first year. And who knows what his ceiling could be up in the uh, up in the pro game as well. And I think it's the same thing with Beecher where, I think the narrative about Beecher has been well established by now and that his offensive game has not panned out in Michigan. But uh, if you want to spin kind of the silver lining or take the glass half full approach, he's very much a guy when you look at the way he plays, even at Michigan, whose game could be better tailored towards kind of that more physical you know, north-south game that you see in the pro game. And again, is he going to just go up to Providence and all of a sudden be a 25 goal scorer? Is he going to be a a 50 point guy uh, up in the NHL ranks. I don't think so. And I'm sure that'll disappoint plenty of uh, fans who think he's going to be a top six center as a first round pick, 
But I, I think we both discussed Beecher before, and I think his floor is that of a kind of a souped up physical Sean Corrali. And if he's that with maybe a little bit more offensive pop and he down the road becomes your fourth line center that, you know, becomes this, you know, cornerstone piece of a, a bottom six unit, what have you, there's value in that. You know, if he's a guy that you can plug in there for five plus years. So uh, good to see him also succeed down there in Providence really going. And you hope that he continues to uh, build his game and who knows what happens by next training camp, whether he makes a push, especially when you have to figure a guy like Curtis Lazar is probably not going to be back with the team next year. Cause he's probably going to cash in on a nice contract. So yeah. As he's earned this year, that's for sure. Yeah. Cause I was going to say with a guy like Beecher in a bottom six role, if there's value, it's fun in games until you got to pay him. Right. That's the yes. issue with a lot of uh, fourth line guys. The thing about Merkulov is I watched a fair amount of him at Ohio state this year and man, the kid can score. And I didn't think he'd go. I didn't, I, I, again, I don't, I love freshmen going to the pros immediately. I think two years should be everybody, but like the Jack Eichels of the world. Um, and maybe that's just a Kale McCarr thing, but <clears throat> always two years for me, I think is the right move for where do you go least. to school? Yeah, I know. Right. <clears throat> Anyways. Um, I do think Merkulov is good. And I was really surprised when they signed him because again, there'd been nothing about Merkulov and there'd been nothing about the Bruins linking them to him. So again, I think you picked up a legit piece. This isn't like a, you know, Hey, you can plug him in the bottom six. Uh, You know, I think there's a guy who has like a high ceiling and he's only 21. And I just think a year, I would say a year in Providence for him next year would probably be the move. Unless of course he comes into training camp next year and is, crazy and like pushes for a spot so be it you take that so again the college free agent signings by the Bruins this year pretty good Mark McLaughlin and Merkulov and obviously Beecher you had him so it wasn't a really a thing but those two and um Brandon uh Bussey down in Providence he's AHL player of the week so like there you go all working out it's all working out maybe you can do a three goalie tandem next year you have all three of them um and suddenly you're a revitalized franchise Anyways, Connor, uh, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, uh, over at BSJ, we'll have our continued day-to-day coverage as we get through this final buffer stretch of the uh, regular season. We'll have game reports, columns. Uh, We'll start looking at previews of who the Bruins can and should face in the playoffs once that gets started. Uh, Still have a couple of features we're working on to roll out over the last week of the regular season. Maybe some might carry into the playoffs. We'll see there. so all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. Speaking of your Twitter, I actually just got a notification that you tweeted something like from yesterday. It was your why what happened. Okay. Cool. Kyrie Irving. Uh, so yes. it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you get hacked. No, I don't know why I get notifications. Like selling, that, like, selling NFTs on the side <laughs> apparently now. You're going to get people My, my, my profile picture is now like a, a chimpanzee drinking the, uh, drinking my, my Duncan. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a dollar sign now. Anyways, that is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day.